Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you well this morning? Glad you're here. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, you uh, let's turn over to the book of uh, Psalm 126. We want to start a new series this morning about revival. And we want to call it, Do It Again. So we're going to start in Psalm 126. And we're going to read here, starting in uh, verse 1, in the Passion Translation. It says this, It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and we laughed and we overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it, that means the world saw it, and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Can I get amen this morning? So if we're taking notes today, the title of my message is God moves where he is wanted. God moves where he is wanted. Now I'm going to start today a series about revival. And I think it's important. It's something I've been thinking about the past several months. And I know you're very excited. I'm not preaching about discipline this morning. Right? You're like, finally, I, got, I can get up. I can get some relief from this discipline stuff. But we're going to talk about revival today. And, and I want to challenge you with some thoughts and some ideas. And we're going to start today and kind of build the next several weeks. But uh, as most of you know, um, at Asbury University, uh, the revival that's been going on down there, uh, it has not just been a local revival. It has been a national and actually worldwide. People have come from all over the world just to go to that university to service, to pray, to worship, to be together. And uh, I've seen some stats about it. They said that they'd had 20,000 people in the town and there's only 6,000 people that live there. Because it's been so many people coming from all over the world the past several weeks to Asbury University just to be in God's presence, just to be refreshed, just to be revived, just to experience God's goodness and power and glory in a, in a town that really worldwide, the town that it's in is not big on the map. Nobody goes to Asbury University looking for revival. They would go to New York or LA or Nashville or somewhere else, but, but God is moving in a university like that. But the good news is I want you to know that Many of us are hearing about this and we're thinking about this. And I know for myself included, we're thinking, man, we need this. Am I the only one? When, when I see stuff like that on the news, I'm like, thank the Lord. We need this. Like our, our world needs this. Our country needs this. Our state needs this. Everybody, we need this. We need revival. We need God's presence. We need something to change because as you know, it cannot stay the same way it is right now in this world. It can't. God's presence and God's power needs to move. If the world's going to change, we need major change to happen. And that only happens by God's presence moving. It doesn't happen by politicians. We know that does not work. It doesn't. It doesn't happen by just famous people getting on social media and saying we need to change this and we need to do this. No, real change happens when God's presence is moving. But I know for me and for most of you in here, we're thinking, man, we need this. And I, and I saw uh, some videos and I know some of you have went down there and um, I was just thinking, man, we need this. Good Lord, we need this. We need this in our country. We need this in our churches. We need this in our families. We need this move in our world. And I love what uh, one person I listened to, uh, he's a pastor out of New York City, and he actually flew down to go to it for, for a while and spent several days there and just was overwhelmed by God's presence. And he goes, you know, when you go there, it's not much. But God's not looking for the things that we think we're needing for revival. Revival. 
You know that, right? Like, he's not looking for just the perfect building and the best worship and the best preachers and the, the certain amount of lighting and the best social media and the church that has the most money in town. No, God is just looking at people's hearts. And many of you that went there and the clips I've seen, it's just a couple people playing an acoustic guitar in a big chapel room singing worship songs. But why is God moving? Because God moves where he's wanted. What, well, pastor, why isn't God moving in churches all over? Because he's not wanted there. God moves where he's wanted. Well, God, why isn't he moving in our nation? Why, why isn't God moving in our nation, in, in our country? You know, we're, we're a nation under God. He only moves where he's wanted. Americans don't want him. We act like we're fine without him. So he's not going to move where he's not wanted. So why is God moving at a place like that in a, a, a seemingly insignificant university? And I know God's moving all over the world, not just there. But why is he moving in places like that that we normally don't hear about? Because God moves where he's wanted. He's not looking at the outside. He's looking at people's heart. And God will move wherever somebody has a heart after God has purity in their heart, has, has a heart that, that just reaches out by faith and says, God, we want you, we need you, and we want you to move. That's where God moves. And so I want you to take account of your own life today, not in a judgmental, condem in con condemning way whatsoever, but why isn't he moving in your life? Let me say that again. Why isn't he moving in your life the way he wants to move? It's not on his side ever. It's on our side. He got, God moves where he's wanted. Why isn't he moving in our church like the way we want him to move? Because God moves where he's wanted. Why isn't he moving in this nation the way he should be moving? And we, we're praying for revival. We're, we're hoping for revival. We're wishing for revival. Well, God moves where he's wanted. Yes. You with me this morning? Yes. Now, that's good news for all of us because anytime we want to change our heart and change our mind, God will meet us. Yes. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Yes. And if we have simple faith in our heart that says, God, we want you, we need you, God will move in your life. And in this church, and in this country, and in this region, and in this world where he has wanted to move. Yes, God will move in those areas, but God only moves where he is wanted. Yes, now why? Because God gave us all a free will. And we can either receive God's presence or we can resist God's presence. But we have that choice to make. But God will not override your will to step into your life if you don't want him. If you don't need him. If you're okay living a life without him, then he won't mess with your plans. He'll let you keep living that way. Because God only goes where he's wanted. But God's not the only person that does that. All of you do that. You don't go where you're not wanted. You go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And so does God. God doesn't go to churches where he's tolerated. He goes where he's celebrated, where he's welcome there. God doesn't move in your life when you just never spend time with him and you act like you don't need him and you don't care. And then every once in a while you reach out to him when you're in a bad way. And God still loves you no matter what, but God only goes where he's wanted, where he's celebrated, where he's honored, where he's welcomed in our life. God goes where he's wanted. So I want to challenge you today with some thoughts and, and hear my heart this morning. I, I don't want to just get up and say the normal revival message that most pastors preach, which is overly serious and Everybody feels beat up after the message because like, y'all don't love God. Get out of here. <laughs> y'all ever been in services like that? And you're like, man, I think I do. I just think I'm a little off right now. But I do love God to some level. Um, so, so I don't want to come across that way. But also I want to challenge you about some things because if we don't all look at our hearts and take account, we're going to miss what God is doing 
in this world and what God wants to do through our personal lives and our families and what God wants to do through this church. So important. Now, the move of God or the revival that God has or the plan of God, you cannot stop it, but you can miss it. Because you have your own will. God can move even in your church and you miss it. <laughs> you know? Like there's people that have been in this church during revival and they're no longer here. They didn't get anything out of it. Why? Because you can be in it and still miss it. Because it matters where he's wanted. You can't stop the move of God that's going to take place on this earth, but you can miss it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss anything that God is doing. I don't, I don't care what denomination it's with. Now, I want, to, I want you to know this as your pastor, that I could care less about denominations. I could care less about camps and companies and whatever you want to say. Yes, I am a faith preacher, and this is a faith church. Yes, I believe in being spirit-filled and the gifts of the Spirit and praying in tongues. I believe in God's healing power. I believe in deliverance, but I am not a denomination. I'm not Baptist. I'm not Catholic. I'm not Presbyterian. I'm a Christian. And we're all in the same family. And we're all going the same direction. And we're all on the same team. And we can sometimes miss what God's doing because we're so stuck in our camp and tribe and company. We miss what God is doing in other parts of the body of Christ because we're like, well, they don't believe like us. Well, listen, bad attitude, they got to move a God and you don't. So I changed denominations real quick. So we need to be open to that. We need to be open to other people that aren't in our same flow and company and, and style. You know, Asbury University is not necessarily a spirit-filled university, but God's spirit is moving at Asbury University. So say what you want, spirit-filled person. God moves where he's wanted. Hear me this morning. God moves where he's wanted. He's not looking. Is, is there Baptist on the wall? Is there Catholic on the wall? Is there Church of God in Christ on the wall? Is this a Pentecostal church? Is this a Methodist church? No. God moves in the church where he's wanted. Not just that has a certain denomination or company or, or tribe on the wall like we are this. No, God moves where he's wanted. So he'll move with anybody that wants him. And this morning, I want you to know, as your pastor, I want him. Is anybody else in here that wants him? You need to notify your face this morning that you want him. Because I want him in this church. I want him in, in, in my personal life. I want him in my family. I want him and I need him. And I will move with God whatever he wants to do. If he wants to name the, ch the name of Church on the Rock and change it to something else, we'll change it. If he wants us to change the seating in here, we'll change it. If he wants us to go back to an acoustic guitar, we will change it because we want God to move. But God only goes where he's wanted. But what is God really looking for? He's looking for your heart. He's not looking for perfect people. Listen, revival is not a reward because you're living right and perfect. It's not. Now, it doesn't hurt that you're trying to live right and live holy. But God is not just moving in perfect people's life or specially gifted people's life. He's moving in people's lives that have a heart towards him. The Bible says it real clearly in the Old Testament, speaking about David, a man after God's own heart. It says that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. God doesn't choose the way we choose. We look at the outside. Who looks the best, who smells the best, who's the smartest, who's the most educated, who's got it all going on. Are they this? Are they that? That's how men choose, but God doesn't choose that way. He looks at the heart. That's good news for all of us in here because we all got an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing because we can all change our heart. We can all change our desires. We can all change the way we feel about God and say, God, I know you go where you're wanted, and I want you. 
I know you go where you're, you're wanted, and I want you in this church. God, I know you go where you're wanted, and I want you at summer camp. God, I know you go where you're wanted, and I want you in the Kids on the Rock, and I want you in the quarry, and I want you in the life groups, and I want you in the worship, and I want you in the prayer time, and I want you in the preaching, and I want you in the offering time, and I don't want church as usual. I want you. Come on, are you with me this morning? Because many people are having church as usual. Week after week after week after week after week. And it's a dead ship in the water. They are so spiritually dry. They're in a dry, weary land in the desert. And most churches live that way for decades. Because they don't want God. They want to do what they've always been doing. Let's sing the same hymns we've always been singing. That are just as dry as they were. We're a couple hundred years ago, y'all. They're, they're singing the, the, the same songs. They're doing the offering the same way. They're preaching the same messages that didn't work 10 years ago. They're preaching them today because I got to stick with my plan. I got to stick with my agenda. And God's not moving. And then they got a church full of people that doesn't want God either. Because it's going to make me uncomfortable if, if pastor gets up and starts preaching messages like this. What is he going to do? Is he going to take a lap? Is he going to pray in tongues? Is he going to lay hands on me? I don't know what's going to happen. Or when pastor starts talking about that, I'm going to have to start changing. And I have to start being different. No, I, I just go to church because I just want to look the part, guys. I don't want revival. Southern Indiana. Midwest. We live in the Bible. Well, that's what we do. It's cultural. It's not Christianity. People go to church in this area because that's just what you do. Just like people are Irish, they're Catholic. Or you're English, Christian. Why? Do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church. Do you believe anything? No, not really. But that's just our family. This, this is who we are. This is, just, this is who we are because we live in the Midwest. We go to church, and most people are okay with that. But with that type of attitude, guess what? God's not there. He's not there. He's not moving with that kind of attitude. I'm just checking the box. I want to look the part. I want to go to church. No, God moves where he's wanted. Are you with me this morning? I know I'm trying to challenge you, but I want to stir you up this morning. Because God wants to move, and I don't want any of you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it today, but I don't want you to miss it in the future. God is moving. And I want to encourage you this morning. God's not just moving at Asbury University. There's hundreds of other universities and colleges that have started having these same worship and prayer services. And I want to encourage you because sometimes we can get so caught up with just the American church. That we forget that God is so much bigger than America. And sometimes we get so caught up and we, we see all the faults and we see the, the dryness and the staleness and, and, and everything that's going on in our country. And we see the American church and it, it doesn't seem like it's really the church it should be. And we think that's what God's doing worldwide. But the truth is, he's not. Now that should encourage us. Because most of the church worldwide is not like the American church. You realize there's 8 billion people on the planet, and America's only about 400 billion of those? Or 400 million? So, if there's 8 billion people and there's only 400 million in America, there's a big world outside of America, and God is moving. Just because we don't always see it in the American church, we don't see it in the, the, the churches around us, that doesn't mean that God is not moving. If you look at the stats about what God is doing worldwide, the greatest moves of God are not happening in America right now. Why? Because God goes where he's wanted. But as we speak this morning worldwide, there is hundreds of millions of people in the global south, in South America, in Africa, in parts of the Middle East, and in Asia right now are the greatest moves of God we've ever seen. And it's way bigger than the American church 
is ever seen because there's hundreds of millions of people being transformed by the power of God, revival taking place, but just because we don't see it on the news, you think, well, that's not happening because all I see is the American church, but God is so much bigger than the American church. So much bigger. God bless the American church because the American church does a lot of good to, to fund the gospel in other countries. But there's revival taking place this morning. I want you to hear me. All over the global south, that's where God is moving. South America, Africa, Middle East, and Asia right now, as we speak, are the greatest moves of God happening. Hundreds of millions of people coming to Christ, being saved, being delivered, healings taking place, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can think, well, God's not moving. No, God's not moving where you're at. But he's moving. God's not, God's not really moving. He's moving all over this world. With hundreds of millions and billions of people, whether we know about them or not, God is moving. I want you to encourage you with that this morning. But why is he moving there and not here? God goes where he's wanted. God goes where he's wanted. Are you with me this morning? So we see that we live in a big world of eight billion people and there's only about 400 million in America and there is hundreds of millions and billions of people that right now are experiencing God's presence and renewal revival all over the world but God once again is not showing favorites to other countries and not America it's not like He's decided I'm going to choose them over us. It's because of our own choices. And the attitude and the heart of our life says, God, we don't really want you here. Because man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Now, once again, I'm not saying everybody in America is this way, but a lot of us are. That's why God hasn't moved the way he wants to move. Now he moved in past years in a mighty way, but something about God, if you don't cooperate with his plan, he'll move on. He'll find somebody else. That should all sober us up. If we say, I don't want it, God says, I love you still. You can come back around anytime you want, but I'm moving on without you. If this church doesn't want it, then I'm going to move on to this church because they want it. If this country doesn't want it, then I'm going to move on to this country that wants it. I'm going to move wherever I am wanted. So we can't stop God's move, but we can miss what God is doing. Are you with me today? Let's look at this word revival. What is revival? One definition of revival is revival is the people of God living in the power of an ungrieved, unquenched spirit. Revival is a restoration of force and strength. Revival, other words used for revival that have the same meaning is renewal, reawakening. But let's look at what revival really is. Now, some people, when they associate revival, they think revival is just one of those old-time tent services. Or they think that revival is just a fiery preacher. Revival is just a long service where they sing a lot of worship songs. But the definition of revival is real simple. And we could break it down like this. Let's look at this word revival. Re means again, and vival means to live. When you get into revival, means to live again. When God's presence and power gets moving, there is revival, and it means that you live again. Now we realize this, that revival is first for the church. Revival is for believers first. Now, why is it for believers first? Because if you're going to be revived, you need to be vibed in the first place. 
And when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you and made you alive to God. And you are alive. But what happens to a lot of Christians, they've been vibed. They're alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they, they drift in their relationship with God and they, they start getting tired and they get worn out and they get burned out and they, they start getting dry spiritually and then they have to go on spiritual life support. And most churches and preachers cater to that by the way they preach. So we see here that revival is when the church gets revived. Revival means that the church comes alive again. When they've been in this place of apathy and they've been in this place of weariness and they've been in this place of dryness and they're barely hanging on to life and then God's presence comes in and it makes them live again. Come on, are you with me this morning? And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that made you alive in the first place is the same Holy Spirit that comes and brings revival and helps us all live again. And by the looks on your faces this morning, every one of you need this message. Because I'm preaching better than you're responding today. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to an individual or a family or to a church or to a college or to a nation. They're on spiritual life support and they're in a bad place. And yeah, they are still a little bit alive to God because they got the Holy Spirit, but they're barely hanging on. And there's a lot of churches and people barely hanging on. When they should be full of God's life and God's power, being the church on the earth. And this is what happened when, when God's presence gets poured out in revival. God's presence comes and the Holy Spirit comes and he takes the Holy Ghost defibrillators. Just like somebody who's, who's passing away and they need to revive them. And the Holy Spirit takes the, the Holy Ghost defibrillators and puts it on the church and makes them come alive again. That's what happens in revival. The Holy Spirit makes us come alive again. And the church gets revived. It gets their strength back. Come on now. It gets their force back. It gets their energy back. It gets their passion back. It gets their enthusiasm back. It gets their love for God back. It gets their intensity to pray and to worship and to read the Bible and to evangelize back. But that only happens when the Holy Spirit comes in. Makes them come alive again. Through the power of the Spirit. Revival means to live again. And we need that. In our personal lives, we need that in our family. We need that in this church. And we need that in this nation. Good Lord, we need that in this nation. We need it. And every politician needs it. Are you with me this morning? Every person in leadership in this country needs it. We need God's presence in revival. So the Holy Spirit takes the defibrillators and makes us come alive again. But it's for the church first. But it's not only for the church. Do you realize revival happens to the church first? So the church will actually start being the church they were supposed to be all along. Revival happens to wake up the church to where they should be in the first place. Being the real hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. Taking authority, taking dominion in the earth. Being the church that lays hands on the sick and sees them recover. Being the church that casts out devils. Being the church that walks in power. Being the church that leads in this country and not takes a backseat to anyone. That's what the church is called to be. Now, that should be normal Christianity, but so many people are living subpar beneath that. When revival happens, it gets us back to where we should be in the first place. 
the church. Notice not being the church, which a lot of the church is right now. We're hiding from the world. We're living hidden from the world. We're hiding and scared of the darkness. How is the world ever going to change if the church is living like that? It's not. And revival makes us come alive that we become the church that we're always meant to be. Now, what is that church? That church is a church that's ahead and not the tail. A church that's above and not beneath. A church that's walking in their dominion, walking in their authority, walking in their God-given confidence. A church that the Bible says is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That we are the light of the world. That we are the salt of the earth. That we are completing the mission and the plan of God. Not hiding away from the world. That's normal Christianity. But most of us don't live anything like that. But when revival takes place, it makes us come alive again. And we start being that light again. We start being that hope in the world again. We start being that salt in the earth that people can tell that we're different again. That we're not full of fear like everyone else. We're not full of anxiety like everybody else. We're walking in God's peace and God's hope and faith and confidence knowing that the creator of the universe lives on the inside of us. I'm preaching 157% better than anyone's responding in this room. God goes where he's wanted. So revival takes place. It's for the church first, but not only for the church. And we realize this, that the byproduct of revival for the church should be the world being reached. Now hear me this morning. If all the revival is, is the same group of all of us together having a bunch of Holy Ghost blowout meetings is pointless. If you think revival is, we're just going to repeat the same old services, have the same prayer lines with the same people, the same person do the same Holy Ghost jig they've been doing for 30 years and they're still the same. The same people getting in the prayer line for the same thing they got delivered of for the past 25 years. That's not revival. People having Holy Ghost fits and Holy Ghost outbreaks and I'm for the Holy Ghost. But if revival all it is is us for and no more, it ain't revival. It's selfish. Real revival is for the church first, but it doesn't stop there. God does something in the church, so the church, come on now somebody, can do something in the world. God blesses you so you can be a blessing to the world. God saves you so you can save the world. God heals you so you can heal the world. God delivers you so you can deliver the world. God revives the church so the church can revive the world. That's the purpose. And if it's not that, we're just being a selfish little bless me club. I don't want it either, Brother Joe. I'll go to a different church. Well, you can't. You're the pastor. I can do whatever I want. I'll go down the road if they move with God. I'd rather be a little part of a move of God than a big part of a dry, dead church. I don't care. And you should feel the same way. I want to go where God is moving. I want to go where God is moving, but God only moves where he's wanted. But this morning, I want you to know it's time for revival. We are in a prime season for revival. You want to know how I know that? I know that because if you look at church history for the past 2,000 years, the greatest times of revival always come out of the worst times of persecution, of suffering, of unrest. 
The greatest moves of God always come out of the hardest times. Everybody's complaining about America. Well, we're in a recession. And look at the, the racial divisions and, and, and look at what happened with COVID and, and look at what happened here. And, and man, this country's going down and the suffering and the persecution and the unrest. We are in prime season for revival. Now we need to look at the scope of history for 2,000 years. God always moved the most when it was the worst times, the hardest times. Look at the early church. Book of Acts, first 30 years of the church. Extreme persecution. They weren't just talking about people on Facebook. They were killing Christians. And God moved in that type of setting. Look at the first 300 years of the church. They were under a Roman dictatorship for 300 years. The church. And we're complaining about Biden and Trump. Y'all, hear me. You didn't have a dictator over you named Nero who was burning Christians at the stake. You might not like them, but they're not as bad as Nero or the rest of the Caesars. Look at the first 300 years of the early church was the greatest move of God in all of human history. The first 300 years. The gospel and Christianity moved all throughout the known world in 300 years. Under a Roman dictator. God moved the most in the worst times. God did his greatest work in the hardest times. God moved more during suffering and persecution than any other time. So that's how I know we are ready for revival. And we're not facing half of what those people faced in the early church. God moved greatly in the darkest days, in the darkest times. God moves. It's proven that's happened all throughout history. God moves. You know, there's something else that takes place when we have revival. In those dark days and dark times, there's something that happens that spurs or propels revival because times are so bad and the suffering and the persecution seems so much. What happens is this, is the church humbles themselves. Gosh, we need that. Notice everything that's happened in this world is not God humbling you. The Bible says humble yourself. But what happens in these times of unrest and persecution and heartache is the church gets humble again and gets down on their hands and their knees and seeks God again. And so revival happens because they live in this place of needing God and wanting God and realizing, I can't do this without you. And if they stay there, revival just carries on and carries on and carries on. But if you know human history is in the good times is when people drift from God. When there's prosperity. How many know people say that they're going to come to church when God blesses them, but then God blesses them and now they got money, so they're gone on the weekends. Because I bought a boat with the money that God blessed me with, but now the boat's more important. <laughs> and in human history, people drift from God because they take God's blessing and prosperity and make it God. Make it that's all I need. That's, that's what I want. And it backfires on them. And then we get into a spiritual place of dryness and, and it's dead and it's, our hearts aren't turned towards God. Why? Because we let our heart change. So in the hard times, it's actually good for most of us in here because we have to say, man, God, I can't do this without you. 
Because sometimes in the good times, we think we're doing it without him. And we're really not. But it gets us puffed up and prideful when we get prosperous. In every area. In our marriage, in our family, in our money, in our education, in our careers. And we think, I did this. Sound familiar? It's all over the Bible. God said, when I bless you and you live in a house that you didn't build. And you got vineyards that you didn't dig. And you got wells that you didn't dig. And you're educated now and you got a good family and you got two kids and two dogs and you got a nice car. You got a nice house. You got goldfish and everything. You're going to forget about God, but God was the one who gave it to you in the first place. And sometimes we forget. It's a reason why America is where it is today. We've been so blessed for hundreds and hundreds of years, so prosperous, and it went to our head, guys. We don't need God. Well, we love God, kind of, but we don't need him. We don't need him. We got hospitals. We don't need him. We got banks, credit cards, cash app, Venmo. We don't need him. We don't need them. We, we can do it because we live in America. And then there's other countries that don't have the things we do. And they're desperate because they realize, I need them. Right. And God moves there and not here. Yes. Are you seeing the connection? Right. Yes. I'm not saying you got to lose everything to be reminded of this. We can all choose in our heart to always stay in this posture of humility towards God. But here's something else that happens when it's hard times and suffering and persecution. It makes the world become more hungry for God. Now, here's some recent stats from Barna Research Group. The stats are pertaining to spiritual openness in the U.S. Now, this study was taken in 2022. It says... And this is U.S. adults say 77% I believe in God or a higher power. 74% said I would like to grow spiritually. And 44% said I am more open to God today than I was before the pandemic. That means almost half of Americans are more open to God since the pandemic. Why? Because suffering persecution brings you to the end of yourself you realize my money can't change it the hospital can't fix it my education can't get me out of this I need God and I'm glad that some people in this country are getting a reality check now I'm not for suffering and persecution and, and, and I feel bad for everyone we've all experienced this collectively as a country in the world. But if it's pushed people to get to the end of themselves and admit, I need God. I can't live without God. And now I'm more open to God since the pandemic than before. Then we're living in a prime time for revival. Listen to this of millennials and Gen Z on this same test. Or research, it says 73% of Gen Z said they would like to grow spiritually. 77% of millennials said they would like to grow spiritually. When asked, are you certain of sp the spiritual or supernatural dimensions that they exist? 83% of Gen Z said yes. And 83% of millennials said yes. They said that they believe in God or a higher power. 77% of Gen Z and 76 of millennials said yes. But through all this research, they've found out that every generation, almost 50% all said, I am more open to God today than I was before the pandemic a few years ago. That means... Like the Bible says, the harvest field is ripe. The harvest field is ready. Some of you are not inviting your friends to church thinking they don't care. No, they care. 
They're looking for something. They're looking for a church. They're looking for God. But if the church is not revived enough to speak up, revived enough to share the gospel, revived enough to ask them to church, revived enough to show them some power and something different, then those 50% of people will say, where can I find God then? I'm more open to him than I was before the pandemic, but where can I find him if the church is dry and dead themselves? That's why we need revival. We need the church to come alive again. Why? For the purpose of reaching the world. There's billions and billions of people that want to know God and they don't know how to because the church isn't revived. Brother Daryl, could you come play for a second? I appreciate you guys listening to me this morning. You realize I skipped over half of my message and I'm going to have to preach it next week. Because that all just came out of my spirit. That whole entire message. So come back next week. I'll give you what I was going to say this week. Pastor, didn't you say something this week? Yes, I did, but it wasn't my notes. I love this verse, Isaiah 57 and verse 15. You can write it down. Isaiah 57, verse 15, New King James. Notice what God says. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. You hear the language? To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God says he's looking for people to revive, but he's going to go after the people that got the right heart. Not a perfect heart, but they're humble. The Bible uses the words they're broken and contrite. That means, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I'll change anything if you tell me to change it. But I want you. And I'm going to go with your move, your plan, your purpose. I don't care who it separates me from or who it takes me to. God, I want you and I need you. It says that God is looking for people like that and he wants to revive the hearts of those who are humble and contrite. God's looking for people like that today. He's ready to revive you, but he's looking for some humble people that don't got it all together. Don't say, you know, I mean, I don't need God, man. I, I got it together. No, God ain't moving like that. Because God moves where he's wanted. And you know how you act like you want him? You're humble. You say, God, I need you. I want you. You're welcome here in my life. Maybe I was once this way, but I need to get back to it. And I'm making that decision right now. I want you in my life. I need you. And not for selfish reasons, not just so you can get revived in the Holy Ghost zap. I want goosebumps, Pastor. That's why I want to say this and get prayed for. That's cool and stuff, but I would rather you feel nothing in the prayer line and then go out and live different. And that's what God's looking for, too. I believe in feelings. Like Brother Hagin says, you don't run the good ones off. I believe you can feel God's tangible presence, but even if you don't, God can still move when you say, God, I'm humble, I'm contrite, I'm broken. And God says, I'm ready to revive the people that are like that. And I revive you for the purpose of what? So you can go reach your family, reach your friends, reach your neighbors, reach this community, reach this region. So how many of you know if every church in America was talking like this and believing like this, our country would change like that? But we don't have control over the rest of those people, but we do have control of what happens in this place. So we're going to be the first one to start. I know there's other colleges and universities and churches making that decision already. But let us join with them this morning and say, God, we want you here. Come on, can you stand up with me this morning? Come on, can you say, God, we want you here. We want you to move. We want you to move. We know you go where you're wanted, and we want you in this place. We want you in this place. We want you in our life. 
We want you, Father. We need you. We're desperate without you. We need you to change some things in this city and in this region and in this country. God, we need you. We need a move of God in every generation. But we need you in your presence, God, and we can't do it without you. We come before you in humility, with a contrite and broken heart, and we say, God, we need you and we want you. Your word says you come to revive those with a humble spirit. God, we're humble before you. We need you. We love you. We can't live without you. Don't ever let our prosperity and blessing get in the way of our love for you, Father. Father, we repent if we have. We've lived in such a blessed nation and a blessed country. We've let it go to our head. And we forgot where we got the blessing from in the first place. It was you who gave us the power to get wealth. It was you who sustained us. It was you who healed our bodies. It was you who put our marriages back together again. It was you who brought our prodigal sons and daughters home. It was you who gave us peace in the midnight hour. It was you who delivered us from addiction. It was you who saved us and healed us. It was you who did it, not us, not our own strength, not our own smarts, not our own ability. It was you, Father. And we admit that to you. We come before you humbly. Even the breath of our lungs is not from us. You created it and you gave it to us. Even the fact we're breathing oxygen is because of you, not us. And we humble ourselves before you with a broken and contrite heart. Because God, you said you would revive those with a humble spirit. With a humble spirit. Thank you, Father. Are you with me this morning? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.